0: All right, everybody, welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Good morning, as promised. Joining me now, my friend Ralph Malbrough from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. That podcast continues to grow, Um, started with some humble beginnings, and now it is uh, one of the most listened to podcasts in the state and uh, one of the most listened to right here in this city. Um, the guys that host it are spread out in different places, but uh, a lot of folks here in the Acadiana area enjoy it. Uh, Ralph Malbro, who has uh, put it together, joins me now to talk some Saints football. Good morning, Ralph. How are you?
1: Good morning, Scott. And I, that's a great intro that you that you mentioned. How many people in Lafayette listen? And I was doing like the end of the year audit for the podcast and like figuring out like how many listeners do we have total, and you know on YouTube and downloads for the regular podcast on people's RSS feed. And I did it by city. Dude, we had over 400,000 people listen to this, our little crazy little podcast, which is amazing. But 42,000 people, over 10% of it is Acadiana. So like, thank you guys for supporting the show and listening. We really appreciate it. And I was like blown away. I was like, my God, 10% of our, or a little bit more is, La- is Lafayette area. People listening to our little comedy, insane saints podcast. So uh, we appreciate it. And, uh, as always,
0: thanks for listening. Hey, man, it's uh, it's just that blend of sincerity and stupidity, as you like to put it. And uh, it's always fun. Somehow you guys try to make it fun even during the rough times. But, man, when the Saints are good, it's it's a lot of fun. It's interesting. You know, we're, we're going to talk, Ralph, here about the Saints and, and their chances to possibly win a Super Bowl this year. But I'll just go ahead and start by saying we both agree this is kind of it. The window's open, and after this year – it's going to shut. Not to say the Saints will be bad next year, but I feel like that Super Bowl window is, is going to shut and you know winning one Super Bowl changes everything about a franchise. Like the Saints mm-hmm. have only had in their entire history, Ralph, three stretches of of really good play and then a few blips here and there. I think even though they didn't win a a playoff game, the Dome Patrol days, they were a good team. They just happened to be in the same division as as a dynasty unfortunately in the Niners. Um then oh nine to twenty thirteen with the you know the one blip being the 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 Peyton suspension year and all that, mm-hmm. they were a really good team. And now you're in the midst of a four-year run that's really good. But outside of that, you know, little playoff one with Haslett's team, you know, oh six was fun, mm-hmm. and the rest of it's just really bad football. But you win that Super Bowl and teams just view your franchise completely that's different. Right. Same thing with the Bucks. Like the Bucks they're in the playoffs this year for the first time since 07, when Jeff Garcia mm. was their starting quarterback in that playoff game. And, like, they haven't done squats since then. And yeah, they really only awesome.
1: have – yeah. They've been one of the lose 10 games all the time. Absolutely. So they the record. But how, like – After, too.
0: Their perception – and they've only had two runs, like 79 to maybe 83, and then they didn't want to pay Doug Williams, and, and you know, it, it cost them. And then yeah. you know, late '90s with Dungy to 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 Gruden Super Bowl win, and outside of that, only two stretches. The rest of their entire existence in '76 has been really bad, give or take a little blip here or there. This year being a blip, but no one looks at the Bucks the way they look at the Falcons and just laugh at at the joke or that Cleveland. the Falcons are or the, or, no, Cleveland. or Detroit. Right, yeah. exactly. You win a single Super Bowl, it changes everything. My question as we we begin this conversation is. What's the perception once you win two?
1: Well, I mean, once you win two, you go into a you go into a different, a completely different level. Not necessarily as a franchise, I think, but Sean Payton, Drew Brees, it changes it, it changes everything, right? And I think that's why the last four years have has has just driven us mad, right? Because Drew Brees, he doesn't have MVPs. His for whatever reason, that the media seem, always seems to move the goalpost on him. When it's, when it, when, it's, when he has the most yards, it's about wins. When he has the most wins, it's about yards and touchdowns, right? So they move the goalpost on him. That job's just crazy. But a second Super Bowl gets him into a place where they don't have many quarterbacks that have it, right? And that's what frustrates us so much about these last four years. We look at it and we're like, they could have won a Super Bowl. They Just a couple of things different, and they – I mean, I could change like three. I could change like three things in 2017 and 2018, and they could have gone back to back, and Drew Brees could have been retired, and the Saints could be on to a different quarterback, and they could have three. Right, and it's just like it's so close, right? We can we can almost touch it. And the thing that's frightening too is, you know. In the NFL, you, you have a great draft like the Saints did in 2016, 2017. You do awesome in free agency. They added to Mario Davis and, and other guys. Right, in free agency. and they, you, can, you can build like a four- to five-year window. Usually it's four because that's kind of how the contracts roll. And that's your shot, man. you gotta you got to make hay in those four windows. Unless you're in New England and you play in a children's division, you get 20 years where the, the, the teams around you are incompetent, and you can just churn out 11-5 and five with no effort, right? So – The Saints like this is it, man. This this roster is still going to be good next year, but it's a tank now. I mean, they have Hendrickson on a minimum deal, leading the league in sacks, right? And the thing is, they built this roster so well. Like Patrick Robinson, who mostly he doesn't play, right? But but when they need him, they're like, hey, we got injuries at corner, and instead of plugging in a UDFA, they plug in him, or they plug in James Hurst at tackle. I mean, these. This roster is like a tank. It just can survive anything. And next year, it's not going to be like that. Next year, when injuries hit them at spots, we're going to be like, oh my God, they've got a turnstile attack. And like, you won't have breeze to sort of cover up your offensive line issues because he gets rid of the ball so quick, right? So this is it. And that's why this playoffs, it's just, I think it's going to age me in dog years because 2017, the Minnesota miracle, it phased me. And I say this guy, you may not believe me. It saved me for like a day. I was like, that was horrible. But then I was like, you know what? This team, they're going to be awesome for two or three years. They're going to have more shots. And then Minnesota got rolled in the NFC Championship, and it just—I've totally forgot about it. But 2018, it'll burn our souls forever, right? Forever. Last year, the walk-off. Forever. So you just know that, like, you look at that clock, and you just like, this is it. And this—that's why I think this playoffs is so sort of nerve-wracking. And I think maybe, Scott, this might sound crazy, they may be better off without fans in the stands. Because if they had fans in the Superdome, we are a scarred fan base. Let's just admit it. Let's put it on the table. The last three years have scarred us in a way that the only way to get over it is a Lombardi. And I think if the Saints played a playoff game the first week, no matter who it is, it gets in the fourth quarter. And every bad memory of the last three years will flood into that stadium and you will feel it and it'll trickle down to the players now maybe the players will feel the anxiety anyway but I think there's a case to be made that 70,000 people in panic mode having playoff PTSD would not be good for this team in the playoffs I mean you'd maybe you'd rather a full stadium but I think you can make the argument that an empty stadium isn't the worst thing for this
0: you know it's it's an interesting point um I think you know the dread in 2018 didn't i mean technically it was the year twenty nineteen but the twenty eighteen season in that game i the dread didn't really sink in until maybe early fourth quarter um, yeah and then after the call or the non call i i just i i, I everyone around me standing nervous and I was just chewing on a towel. I'm like, it's done. Like it's, I, I just knew it's just not going to happen. It's done. It was awful. It was an awful feeling. Um, the, the, but like, but like there was a confidence going into it. And then the dread set, look in 2000, 31, uh, seven, the dread went away for like a few, like a few minutes. <laughs> and quickly just overwhelmed, just enveloped the whole dome. Um, I, I know, turned like,
1: to my mom. When it was thirty-one to twenty-eight, and I said two things to her. I said, "If the Saints lose this game, they're going to have to burn the franchise to the ground and (laughs) salt the
0: earth." Something, man. On the
1: flip side, Hakeem fumbles all the time. He needs to do that right now, or we're doomed. And and he fumbled, and I remember hugging my mom and dropping to my knees. But I remember like like that dread was just. It had overwhelmed my entire body, and I just said my wish out loud to her uh, because it overwhelmed me. And it, and again, it fought when it, when Favre did it. Like you could feel the dread coming with Minnesota, right? Yeah. And I just right. screamed at right. Favre. I was like, "Be Favre and throw in bleepity bleep, bleep interception!" And I feel like maybe if I'd have been at the Rams game, and I would have yelled out what I needed to have happen. They would have won, so maybe it's, it's partially responsible it's that fault. I wasn't at the NFC Championship game, and it, I cut. I couldn't pull them through by
0: screaming my my dreams into the uh, ether. We're we're like like in analyzing the various levels of dread. Uh, <laughs> shoot, I remember the Eagles game. You know the the '92 uh, season. Uh, uh, my birthday, January third, nineteen ninety three, and. You know, it just quickly—if you could feel it, like you literally can feel it. Now, there's some games, like the win against Carolina, there was some nerves. Cam's driving. This is yeah. playoffs, 2017. But like, I didn't, I didn't feel the dread. And then last year, yeah. you could, you could kind of feel the dread basically from yeah. the start to the finish of that Vikings game. I mean, it, it lasted the entire time. So various levels of dread when it comes to the Saints playoff games, and it's not like they've played in a ton in franchise history. But it is you can go back to each one and really remember when it started, how it finished, and I'm with mm-hmm. you. I think, you know, I mean, the, the the most fun one was was actually just dominating the Cardinals, you know, in, yeah. in a in a divisional round where Reggie Bush went off. Outside of that, you know, there have been yeah. various levels of dread, and I think, I think this postseason because this is, in my opinion, the window, and after this season, I think it closes. Uh, in terms of, of of a potential Super Bowl, I'm with you. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna age us a lot. You know the most
1: one of the most fun Saints playoff games was oddly the Detroit game in 2011. Oh yeah, that was because nice. you yeah. knew you knew the offense was spectacular and uh, Megatron had a game. I think it's the greatest. It might be the greatest thing I've ever witnessed at a football game ever. Like he put up 200 yards against the Saints and they had no answer for him. But it was fun to watch it because you knew, like, if the Saints could need to score 60, they'll score 60. So I can just enjoy Megatron being from another planet, just dominating the Saints secondary. Like, this is a comedy show. Like, I'm just, I'm in awe of you. And you didn't have this, this feeling of dread because you're like, if the Saints need to score 60 today, they will score 60. Megatron can have 300 yards, and they're not winning. So that was a fun, was a fun moment, too. But, yeah, it's 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 going to be just prepare yourself. Don't do illegal drugs. But anything short of illegal drugs to get you through,
0: I'm all for it. To show you how relaxing that, the most relaxing Saints playoff game ever, you just referenced the wildcard win against Detroit. I think the Saints had like 630 yards of offense in that game. That team, <laughs> ugh. Like it was, it, it went from the most relaxing playoff win to, you know, at the, at the moment a week later, the most devastating loss in the history of the franchise, which somehow got surpassed because of Bill Vinovich and a bunch of anyway, so uh, addressing the dread, yes, uh, folks, just get your livers ready if you're a Saints fan, because the upcoming postseason is going to be uh, very, very stressful. But if you win two Super Bowls, it kind of changes everything. And yet, this is your opportunity to do it. I think in the AFC, Ralph, to me, there's 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 the the Chiefs and the Bills. I don't I don't think anyone else in there is a contender in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Most look at Green Bay and then the Saints. I, I, Seattle and Tampa Bay kind of in another tier. And then, you know, whether it's Chicago or Arizona or the Rams without golf, maybe. I don't know. It just, in, in the NFC East team, whatever. Like it's, it feels like there is Green Bay and New Orleans. But if somehow Seattle or Tampa Bay, if the ball bounces right, no one would be shocked. But it does, is it, it will you be shocked if it's someone other than New Orleans or Green Bay? representing the NFC I, in the Super Bowl? I mean,
1: I wouldn't be shocked because I think Tampa's weird in that they're matchup dependent, right? in a sense of they have this, like Bruce Arians, he runs his offense. He's going to take deep shots. They ain't changing bleep. He doesn't change bleep, and that's what they roll with. And if, he, if, if you do not have the personnel to match up with that, it can be a problem. The thing with Arians, though, is like, I've come to, like, not really – like, he's an okay coach. But my thing is Sean Payton can coach the pants off him. I think Green Bay's coach could coach – you know, I know they had a bad – I know they had a bad moment and and Tampa Bay really gave it to them. So Tampa Tampa might have some personnel superiority over Green Bay. But I think Green Bay will fix those issues against Tampa. So I'll be surprised if Tampa can win three games in a row – the team that I was most sort of scared of for the Saints to play in the wild card game was the Rams with golf, just because the Rams defense is killing people. Like they have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and they have built that defense around those two guys' strengths. And those two guys are so good. Like the, the Rams, other guys on their defensive line thrive because Aaron Donald is from another planet. Right. So, and they, I believe they might have the, the, the personnel to really give the Saints fits on offense, but now without Goff, you're like, I don't know. Like, are there, I'm curious to see how the Rams do. Like, and if they're going to try to play that guy with a broken hand, oof, you know. And you look at Arizona, you look at Chicago, they're not doing it. So, I mean, to me, and and I don't, I'm not an X's and O's you know that, but something is wrong with Seattle's offense. Like, I watch them against the Rams, and I know I just said the Rams' defense is good. But they look they look broken on off. They looked kind of like Saints against Kansas City, where like they have Metcalf and like Russell Wilson is like no one else is open, and I'm just like dying out here. And it it it's it's very it's very strange to see Seattle's defense become not an abomination while their offense regresses. So. I'm probably with you. I would say, I would say, if, if it's not Saints or Green Bay, I would be real. I would be really surprised, but not not shocked, because in the in it, you know, I saw I saw Eli get the two Super Bowls, man. You know, so you never know, and I hate that. That's a cliche, but it's true.
0: It is true. It is true. With with one season they were ten and six, the other they were nine and seven. Um, it's not like either of those years they went into the postseason as a favorite uh shoot i mean aaron Rodgers has won super bowl that year they were the sixth seed so you know get hot at the right time uh and get healthy and that packers team is one exception they were really beat up it really i don't like giving the packers credit uh but that (laughs) that that run they had twin 2010 was really impressive and when they went and put what felt like a thousand on the falcons that was pretty great Um, But it it comes down, I think, to those two. And I think what the the Saints and Packers can do, which is going to matter this postseason, which I don't think Tampa can do, and Seattle, the Saints and Packers can run the football. And while the Packers run defense is middle of the pack, the Saints is like top four or top three, I think. But both of these teams, I think the Saints are seventh and the Packers are eighth. Like, Mm -hmm. if they play each other in a title game, the buildup and focus is going to be on the two quarterbacks, and definitely they're going to make a difference. But I think it's it's who's ever going to be able to run the ball more, which playing in Lambeau in the snow is going to be difficult for anyone. Well, and yet this year, you get the sense that Aaron Rodgers playing in a dome with, that, with, with Devontae Adams where he doesn't have to yeah. worry about elements and a crowd of, yeah. you know, a couple of hundred that aren't going to make any difference at all, it's almost like – the, the people think it's stupid, Ralph. But it's almost like the Packers' style of play this year—being outside in a frigid blizzard—does more damage to their offense than they're on the than if they're on the road into dome, especially in a year where you don't have, you know, where you, where you have minimum capacity, right?
1: Well, I, I know, and, and I know people will think that they roasted Tennessee, but Tennessee, they're a good team, but their defense is oh, abominable. Like, they they have no pass rush. Their secondary is terrible. They signed Clowney away from the Saints. He got hurt, and he was going to be their miracle cure for their pass rush, and he was, a, he was a dud before he got injured. They have no pass rush. Their secondary can't cover. Aaron Rodgers lit them up in the snow. But I'm going to tell you something, and I, I was talking about this on Twitter the other day. I really, really hope that the Saints in Green Bay play in Green Bay, the night game, the second, and it's the second championship. You know, they put, they put it at 5.30 or 6 o'clock. And I hope it's at night, and I hope it's like 10 degrees and it's terrible weather because everyone in the national media will be like, Aaron Rodgers is going to romp the Saints. The Drew Brees can't play in the cold. The Saints can't play in the cold. They're a dome team. They have no shot. And the thing is that the national media, really only a few people understand it, like Nina Kines and really smart people, but most of the talking heads don't. Got, the Saints are built like a cold weather team. The saints want to get you in a phone booth and beat the crap out of you. Like Drew, Drew Brees, he, he only throws the ball four yards in any direction now. So like, if it's 40 mile an hour winds, like that doesn't really affect him. Like, you know, who that affects that affects Aaron Rodgers' ability to throw the deep ball. Drew Brees doesn't throw the deep ball when the saints, they're a cold weather team. They run the football and play defense, and it's it's why almost Sean Payton is like better on the road. I think calling games sometimes because he they get out in the elements, like when they played Chicago, and he's like, okay, we have all these elements. Drew Drew can't really throw the ball. I'm going to protect the ball. I'm going to run the ball. We're going to lean on our defense, and like that's their strength. And people, the national media doesn't realize it, and I don't even think some Saints fans realize it. Like this is a Saints have built like a freaking cold weather team, and I think it would be it would be one of the great days in my life scott if the saints would go to lambo and terrorize the packers and run for like 200 yards and win and breeze is like eight for 15 for 85 yards like i think it might be the second happiest day of my life besides my wedding my my marriage to my wife on my wedding day like that would be i would last uncontrollably if the Saints won a Super Bowl where well, got to a Super Bowl where Drew Brees goes for like 100 yards in freezing cold weather like that would be that would be the pinnacle and it would probably be like the most positive Saintsy thing that we've ever experienced in our lives
0: speaking of cold weather this Sunday it should be pretty cold in Charlotte and the Saints are entering an interesting spot this week where you know, there are two things that are, are major concerns to me. I'll, I'll say two and a half for the Saints in the postseason. Uh, the interior of the offensive line is one, all right? Pete, East, and Ruiz, and anyone else you plug in a guard, I'm worried. The second is health, and, and third is just depth of receiver because while Michael Thomas is expected to be back for the playoffs, he could very easily have a setback, Ralph. I mean, yep. he, to, I, I said this yesterday, I think he's the biggest wild card on this saints playoff. Like if if you're looking at the saints playoff picture, the biggest wild card, not a game, but just, uh, you know, a player or an aspect of the game is Michael Thomas, because if he comes back and he's healthy, he's not a guy that I think would need a ton of reps to just get back into the swing of things. Like he's based on his style of play, but if he's still bothered by the ankle or he has a setback, I mean, it's just forget about it. It's just a different kind of offense. So, um, th- those are my biggest worries. But with that, and with health being a big one, how should the Saints approach the game this Sunday against Carolina? We'll dig into that a little bit when we come back right after this. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott. That is Ralph Malbrough from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. This is ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the program, everybody. Good morning. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Coming up next, we've got, uh, well, coming up now, the second half of our conversation with Ralph Malbrough, who's on the line with me, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Ralph, before we go any farther, uh, we just talked early on when I brought you on about how much um, listenership you guys have had from folks here in the Acadiana area. But for anyone listening that might not know, when is a, what, is a, um, what is a way that folks can, can discover your podcast or if they haven't listened to the Saints Happy Hour podcast yet? How can they get in on that?
1: you can just wherever you get your podcast however you do it apple player stitcher spotify whatever just search saints happy hour it'll come up subscribe and then you'll get all the episodes we do or go to saintshappyhour.com and check us out that way it's super easy just search saints happy hour podcast saints happy hour wherever you get your podcast or saintshappyhour.com super easy
0: so what 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 should the saints approach be sunday the nfl you know, I guess it was five years ago, maybe a little longer than that, but they finally did something they should have done a long time ago, which was wait until the week before week 17 to schedule game time. So they didn't give any teams advantages. I mean, it wasn't, I remember when they still yeah. had Monday night games in week 17. So what, like it, it, it prevents, you know, a team from getting an advantage, you know, and what they should or shouldn't do. So you're kind of keeping an eye to the scoreboard in the Seahawks game and you're keeping an eye on the scoreboard, obviously in the Packers-Bears game. What's the Saints approach going into Sunday? Because Peyton, on one hand, like he said, look, I am not, I'm not, we're putting Michael Thomas on IR. We're getting him ready for the playoffs. That's it. We have to do it. And then on the other hand, Brees needs more reps. He needs to get into that rhythm. Yeah. There's guys that need to get on the field that have been hurt. Maybe not a Marcus Williams. You're not going to push that back. But it's just a, this is um, in terms of the approach – I don't know that there's a, a right or wrong way because whatever you do, it's going to be second guessed by the end of the game on Sunday. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, Sean Payton, he, he, you know, he's always an interesting interview if you're asking the right questions, and he has referenced multiple times about how he looks back at 2010 and he's like, "I wish we'd have handled that differently," because right in 2010, remember the Saints they beat if they if they beat Tampa the final game of the year and Atlanta loses the Saints would have been the number one seed in 2010, right, instead of Atlanta. So the Saints were like, we got to try to play it out. We'll, we'll, and, and he's like, score, go we'll watch, it. we'll see how it goes. That game, they lost Malcolm Jenkins. They lost Jimmy Graham. They went to Seattle. Their secondary got roasted because Roman Harper couldn't cover a tight end, remember, and they kicked three field goals inside the 10-yard line because they didn't have Jimmy Graham, who had come on as a rookie and was really – Starting to explode as a red zone target, and they lost to Beastquake, right? So, like Sean Payton references that a couple, he's referenced that before, so he knows that like this is precarious. Like, how do you do it? Do you go? Do you go half? Do you kind of squash the scoreboard and pull the starters when you think it's it's wrapped up? Do you go full bore? It's tough, but I'm going to tell you, Scott. I think the Saints, as I thought about this, I think they have to play it out and go for the two seed because here's the thing: if you're number two. You save yourself a trip to the West Coast to Seattle, and you know, and you could say, "Well, look, Seattle—they're not going to have fans. The weather in Seattle—it may or may not be terrible. That's not the—you'd rather help." But here's the thing that's a long flight to the West coast. You got Michael Thomas with an ankle and you got Trey Hendrickson with a neck and you got other guys with ailments and long flights are not good for people that are hurt. Like doctors will tell you that. Right. So I think it's imperative that the saints get the two seat, like not only because it'll help them match wise playing the seven, but I just think for health wise, like saving that flight to the West coast and only having to travel to green Bay. If you end up being two, I think that's worth the risk of the injuries you pl- you might get against Carolina.
0: Is there any shot in hell of the Bears upsetting the Packers?
1: I think I don't. I don't think they're going to win, I, but I think the the Bears are going to break our heart in the most horrible way possible. Like I think what's going to happen is, I think the Saints are going to come out and they're going to play Carolina. Carolina plays hard, like. Matt, I think Matt Rule is a really good coach. I don't know how he'll be on personnel because he gets to run everything there, right? So I don't know if he's good enough in doing personnel to get Carolina to where they want to be. But they play hard, and you can tell, like, they're well coached. Like, they have huge deficiencies on defense and they have issues on the offensive line, but they play hard. They went to Green Bay and almost won. They, they had two turnovers inside the 10. Like, they play hard. They almost beat Kansas City. So they're going to play hard at least starting If the Saints can jump on them. I think Carolina might be like, well, it's 17 to three. I'm not going to tackle. I just want to wrap up, get the U-Haul, get, wrap the season up. But I think Carolina is going to play hard. I think what's going to happen, Scott, is we're going to look up in the third quarter against the Bears, Green Bay, and we're going to get ridiculously excited. Cause the Bears are going to be like up 10 or up 13. Trubisky going to be rolling. But in the end, aaron Rodgers is going to get the ball and break rip our heart out and show it to us and be like haha i'm the number one seed. so that's what i think it's going to be um but i think it's gonna i think it's going to be close like like green bay and chicago it's a divisional game and Ch- chicago is playing better They've sort of figured out how to like mask some of trubisky's horribleness um so i think it's going to be closer than people think but i don't think i don't think uh I
0: don't think Green Bay is going to lose. It's such a... Uh, and then, you know, Seattle, they've, they're have they probably going to be the three. Um, yet, you know, they got a feisty 49ers team. They look weird last week. They're going to be... I think Seattle's going to win, uh, even though they're on the road. I, th- I think you're right. I think you have to go for it. All three... I mean, Packers, Saints, Seahawks, all on the road. Um, and, and, you know, I think, uh, what, Washington, the Sunday night game, they're on the road trying to get yeah. in. So... It's uh, – the home teams are the lower teams that are trying to fight for those last few seeds, and they, um, they'll they have an opportunity here. I don't know, man. I, I think I think Sunday could be pretty weird, but uh, as long as the Saints don't fall to three because if you do that, then maybe you are facing the Rams week one uh, and maybe Goff's back or maybe he's beat up, but the bigger worry is Aaron Donald and crew. And then, mm-hmm. you know, after that, you're probably having to travel. So it's just – get the win and yet you just you got to hope and pray you don't lose a couple of key players because yep. Quan Alexander that injury that's big man. I mean that's that's well, a, that's that's a big blow well, to the defense.
1: Well that was huge and I I, I got mad at a at a, I, it's like a national NFL writer or something he he sort of mocked the Saints. He's like they traded a fifth round pick for seven weeks of Quan Alexander. Congratulations. And I was like, "Dude, either you're trying to win a super it was a green it was a Green Bay writer and i was either like either you're trying to win the super bowl and you do everything you can or you don't the saints were trying to win the super bowl and they traded a fifth round pick for Kwan alexander and by the way that to be to sort of it's i'm not going to pretend like it's not horrible and he's not way better than anzalone but here's the thing that my co-host andrew juge pointed out is like look we knew anzalone was not that great, right, and he has bad shoulders. So there was no way you were getting 16 weeks out of Anzalone. We all knew that. So by trading for Kawan Alexander, the Saints added into their linebacker to where they could absorb one injury and be okay. Because let me tell you, if, if, if it wasn't Kawan Alexander getting hurt, let's say it was Anzalone, guess who would play the rest of the way? Craig Robertson. And we all love Craig Robertson on special teams. But as a linebacker starting for the Saints... He's a disaster. We saw it in the San Francisco game last year. Remember when the Saints didn't have any linebackers? They had to start Robinson. They had to play Stephon Anthony. And they just got roasted in coverage, right? So now you bought yourself seven weeks where Anzalone didn't really have to play. And, yes, is Anzalone good? Eh, probably not. But can he be okay for four weeks? The possibility is, yes, he'll be okay for four weeks. I know Craig Robinson in a playoff game. He would get set on fire, and he would he could he's so bad – as a linebacker, that he might single-handedly cost the Saints a playoff game. So the trade for Kwan Alexander was a great one by the Saints, and you give up a fifth-round pick for what they what they got every day of the week. But it thought, I mean, it stinks that Kawan Alexander because Kawan Alexander he flashed, and he's the kind of guy that in playoff games he can make a strip sack, a fumble. Big, he was good in coverage. Where Anzalone, like, remember all the bootleg problems the Saints had early in the year, mm-hmm. where like sean payton was like we can't defend a bootleg like a high school team like most of it was anzalone like he's just he just bites on that play action hard but that's the way it goes you just have to hope for the best maybe his flowing hair will give him magical powers
0: yeah anzalone has quite an injury history too so uh we'll see what happens man i wish he could have just fallen on that ball in the end zone um Against Kansas City you know Anzalone I think is is good against run in run defense traditional run defense you know not so much bootlegs but just mm-hmm. you know between the tackles filling the gaps he's not great in coverage I think that's where Alexander was a big upgrade and Alexander was just better blitzing uh, just more big play potential defensively for mm-hmm. sure but yes the drop off between that and yeah, you dig the Saints give up a fifth round pick I mean Alexander did a hell of a lot in those seven games. Uh, two fumble mm-hmm. recoveries, five pass defense. He had a pick that he should have had that he dropped. But just a playmaker, man. That's such a big loss. And um, I don't know. I, I it, it's, We're getting stressed just talking about it. But it's that time of year. And yeah. you'd much rather be in this position than so many years of ineptitude and losing and, and a, a large chunk of the Saints' history. So here they are. in you got to win, too. I mean, the, I, I think of a, a franchise like the Bears. The 85 Bears will always be famous and, 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 you know, whether it be the Super Bowl shuffle and all that other stuff. But the reality is, especially in that era of football, they should have won more Super Bowls. The only one won. Mike Dick is probably uh, deserves some of the blame rather than the credit. Remember, the team carried Buddy Ryan off the field after a Super Bowl win. Yeah. But, like, they won so many games, and yet they just couldn't – Win a Super Bowl. They only got to well, one, were just, and then they they get years just, later with Rex. They,
1: they had the bad misfortune of being dysfunctional at quarterback in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like they had a year where they went fourteen and two and started Doug Flutie. McMahon was never healthy, and the drop off between McMahon and Tom Zach and other guys like it was just so steep. And that's just that's just you know it's just like just a kind of different misfortune from the Saints, right? When the no call and the Minnesota Miracle. Like, the Bears had a different kind of misfortune, where like Jim McMahon could never stay healthy, uh, and it and it probably cost them, you know, another another Super Bowl or two. And that's the thing with the playoffs, and like, it's not like it's not decided on health and different things because you saw Golf, like he broke his thumb, he's gonna have surgery, he's they're gonna try to win and get in without him, and then he's gonna try to play in the playoffs, like week seventeen. I guarantee you. And hopefully it's not the Saints, but there's going to be some team in the NFC. They're going to lose somebody, and it's going to be a huge, massive blow. It, it seems to always happen, right? And so nothing's decided. Like nothing is decided yet about health or anything, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm still, I'm still optimistic about it, you know. It just, you just the thing is with the Saints, they have, and this is, is a cliche, but it's true. In the playoffs, don't turn the ball over. If you turn the ball over, you will lose. And that is the bottom line of everything. You know, look at the Saints' playoff look. Like Last year, Minnesota, but everything you said about the defense and they they, they didn't get after
0: uh, Cousins as much
1: as we thought because yeah. Kim Jordan was hurt. See, they killed them. Scott, they had eight turnovers all year. They had two turnovers against Minnesota, and they missed a field goal. Like, If you just take away one of those turnovers and what makes a kick before the half, they probably win. So, like, the margins just shrink incredibly where, like, where, you know, their offense, they put up 50 against Minnesota this past week, but they also had two turnovers. Like, I want to say the playoff stats, if, if you lose the turnover battle, they had some crazy statistic where like the team that won the turnover battle i want to say they won close to like 100 straight games like it is it's ridiculous that it matters that much in the playoffs but it does because the margins are just so so small
0: ralph Malbro has been our guest uh if you can get there just win it don't let it slip past you the seahawks <laughs> only have one but man they should have had two it's just that, that margin of error so slim and uh, just talking about the playoffs, even though they don't start until, oh, you know, a week and a half from now. It's just me, give me anxiety, Ralph. Just give me anxious. Oh, but, I, but,
1: but I will say this, Scott. And, and you know, but listen, last year, Kansas City went into the final week and they were like, we blew the number two seed. The Dolphins, the, the New England plays the Dolphins. At home in the cold, they're going to beat a bad Dolphin team, and we're going to be the three seed, and we're probably going to have to play a good Tennessee team, and then go on the road and play th- win three games to go to the Super Bowl. It's just not working out for us. We're probably going to have more playoff heartache. They got New England got Fitz magiced, and Kansas City, voila, slid right into the two seed, and so they get to play. They got to play the Texans. And then they got to play Tennessee. They got to buy. They got to get healthy. And it just sort of fell in their lap like magic. So I know it seems – right now it seems like it's the longest odds. And, it, and, and we're like, who are they going to play at seven? Who are they going to play at six? But there's a, a legitimate shot, Scott, that at like 7 o'clock on Sunday, we're sitting around going, oh, my God. They fell into the number one seat. And I mean, we talked earlier about maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the crowd, maybe being in the dome isn't the best thing when you're facing Aaron Rodgers or whatever. But like, that, I would take that risk to get an extra week of rest, right? So it could just, it could, it could, it could it can, it's all fallen apart and just gone wrong the last three years. But it could all fall into place for them. And we could be sitting here Sunday night going, like, I can't believe this is the year they got to buy. This, this is the team, of all the teams the last four years, this one is the team that has stumbled and been gifted to buy, as unbelievable as it sounds. So there's a ton still to be decided, not just about who wins the Super Bowl, but the setup and the seedings. And it can go a million different directions on Sunday, good or bad. I don't think, I don't think we know anything yet.
0: Ralph Malbrough has been our guest. Check him out on Twitter at Saints Forecast. Contributing Saints writer for WWL-TV. He's on WWL-TV Monday mornings. And, of course, again, the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Check it out. Uh, If you really like it, you can become a Patreon, get more content. He, Andrew, Dave, Kevin all do a great job. It's fun, good stuff. Ralph, I appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, Happy New Year. Thanks for spending a lot of time with me here in, uh, in this crazy year of 2020 and uh, I know it's been rough for, uh, for you and your family for a variety of reasons, but always appreciate you taking the time, man.
1: Anytime, Scott. I cannot wait for 2020 to end, and I hope the Saints win in the playoffs so I can keep coming back on your show in January.
0: That sounds good to me, brother. Have a good one. You too, man. All right, stay tuned. Up next, conversation with two guys who are calling the state championship game tonight in Katie and Arakan Rams in action tonight against Alexandria. The Rams going for back-to-back state championships. Brandon Como, the play-by-play man. Ian, excuse me, the color analyst. Ian and the play-by-play man. They'll join me next to break down that matchup and the Rams season to this point at 8.30. Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights, joins me to talk a little Pels. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this.